Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that has no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. Hello. It's nice to meet you. Hello, new listeners. Hello, friends. New new creeps and peepers. More on that in a second. More details on your names momentarily. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for all the feedback. Oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. We have over 2,200 ratings mm-hmm. on iTunes, which is amazing. Yeah, that really helps us get new listeners, keeps us more kind of top of mind as yeah. far as when people are looking for new podcasts. You know, it's like Yelp. You know, they, they yes. see the reviews and they're like, oh, okay, this is what this is. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate that very much. And thanks to all the new listeners yes. who've been finding us from other podcasts and just from everywhere. And from, you said, across the pond. Across the pond. Yes, um, we got some emails this week from the UK, which is so exciting. Let's infiltrate. I love it. And also, Australia's real. I got an email yeah. from Australia. That's, that's awesome. Hopefully yeah. we get to go there and... <sighs> Who knows what we'll get to do there someday? Oh, I've heard there's some really spooky things. Well, oh just yeah, everywhere. It's, well, and especially because it's so much older than America. So I think. That's, oh, England. Oh, England. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, in my brain, I was already. I was walking down the street. I was. You're back in London. I was there. I love London. <laughs> I want to go to Australia, London, all of it. All we, of it. We, we want to get over there one of these days. And and the reason I changed, uh, I didn't say camper. Um, womp, womp, there's so womp. many podcasts out there. Uh, we apparently another popular podcast, The Bonfire with Big J Okerson, Dan yeah. Soder. Uh, I'm a comic. I know that they're comics. I've never listened to that podcast. Well, who has the time to listen to all the podcasts? There's thousands and thousands, and they call their fans campers. Right. So out of respect for them already having established that, and I guess kind of really beating that drum pretty hard. Yeah. And and there were a few other podcasts, too. That, that also did campers? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. It's okay. multiple places. So so we're going to go with, uh, you know, this is what we're trying now. Slight we, variation. Slight variation. It's creeps. And then peepers. I love it. So camper just goes to peeper. 
And right. so, so to redefine, are you a creep? You know, the creep is the horror fan who could, you know, live on a steady diet of this. Just more, more, more. The scarier, the better. Never needs to, you know, leave the lights on. Right. Um, I go back and forth. This morning, I was a little bit of a creep. I came in here early oh. and just sat in the dark and worked on the rest of the stories. You are a creep. Uh, listening to Marilyn Manson, really getting in the mood, you know, getting that vibe. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some, you know, that are the, the peepers, the peeping over the covers. You know, you, you like these stories, but they scare the shit out of you. But you That's keep me. coming back for more. That's me. Yeah, late, you know, you watch the horror movie with the blanket pulled up to your nose. <laughs> that 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 literally is me in a in yep. a movie theater. I'll take my jacket or yeah. whatever and do this or a lot of this. Yeah, yeah, you're peeping on this. You're watching, but you're it's sneaky watching. Do you remember that it movie? You. Do you remember that movie? Jeepers Creepers. I remember the song. I I saw it so long ago. I have a vague recollection of that movie. Yes. Mm, yeah. Yes. So there's that. So yeah. So I'm I'm actually yeah. very into it, and also I love peeps. And yeah, you I do can, love the, the Peeps candies. So all I can think is like, hey guys, do you want to send me some Peeps? I'll eat them right here for you. So there we go. So so right now, hopefully, this, maybe this will stay. Creeps and Peepers. A steady diet of horror or a steady diet of sugar. Do you want to be, <laughs> do you want to have diabetes? <laughs> Two tales is always today from me. Yeah. And the first is a little one about the hat man. No. Specific type of shadow no. person. Who gave, no. a woman, gave a woman named Angie. And her five-year-old son a really, really good scare. Motherfucker! I was honestly, I was just starting to do better. Yeah. And shadow people are one of the things that really gets me. And he's mm-hmm. in that world. He's in that world. We haven't talked about this Fuck. specific kind no. of shadow person yet. Is the door locked? Can I get out of here? No, nope, you can't get out. Can't get Joe, out. Joe, do you want to replace me this week? <laughs> uh, I'll pass. Thanks, though. <laughs> Damn it, Joe! Come on. And the next tale is the tale of Atchison, Kansas's most haunted house, the infamous Sally House. Oh, we've gotten some emails yeah. about. People wanting to hear a little bit more about that. And about I don't know anything. They, about the Sally House? Yeah. Uh, I've gotten a handful of emails. And, you know, um, I know you and I get a million emails a day. And we're navigating a lot of things. I do forward them on to you. Like, hey, yeah. here's some possible stories. Because I can't read those emails. Right? right, right, right. I have to just, like, send them on. Because sometimes people say, like, oh, you should do X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then they start to give an explanation. I'm like, nope. Because I don't ever want to ruin okay. our format here. So, <gasps> I'm oh. intrigued. So and also, well, it, is, it is a pretty well-known haunted house. So well, I guess I that's why it. we've been getting the uh, okay, good. That's why I've been getting some uh, some messages. Because I'm a peeper, I wouldn't seek this out on my own, Dan. <laughs> and also, stay tuned for after my stories. For Lindsay is going to be telling two stories, two of your stories. Yeah. More and more people have been sending in uh, their stories to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. So we will have the my story section of the show at the yes. end of the show. So stick around for that. I loved it last week. I love getting scared myself. Yeah. Where did it stick with you? It did for a little, yeah, for a couple hours. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and it just adds more kind of weight to all of it. The more stories I hear, the more I wonder, like, is this one real? Is that one right, real? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we start, I just want to acknowledge that I'm not wearing unicorn socks this week. Uh-huh. Fear not. I still have on fuzzies. It's so hard to do this. We've got to find a better system. <laughs> Penguins apparently are really protective mama animals. Okay. So, one of our longtime fans of Time Suck and your stand-up and now yeah. um, a friend of mine, Lindsay. Okay. Florida Lindsay. Florida Lindsay. Yep. She sent me a bunch of socks, so <sighs> hopefully they work. I'm okay. just going to get Pick out my protection blanket. blankets because I am a peeper. I mean, really, <laughs> I'm going to peep over my blanket. You know eventually this blanket's just going to go over my head and I'm not going to come out. <laughs> exactly. I think it will today. We got some scary ones today. <sighs> Fucking fuck. So you ready? I guess. I mean, I'm locked in here, Joe said. <laughs> okay. Okay, we've talked about shadow people before here on Scared to Death, once before. A tale about a couple being chased by a red-eyed shadow person. Oh, yeah. Shadow thing, shadow demon in Portugal. 
Today, I'm going to introduce you to another type of shadow person, the hat man. Have you heard of the hat man before? Uh, I have, and I am so not into it. We had a conversation about the hat man. I don't know if it was on this show or just in... Yeah. We talk so much that it all bleeds together, but he, in essence, reminds me like a dark, darker version of Freddy Krueger, like the ah, shape of the hat. Ah, yes, immediately, good reference. Yeah, I immediately think of that shape of being, right. and then just blank-faced. Mm-hmm. I think he's red-eyed. Can be. Yeah. I mean, w- regardless, I am so scared of him. It's not clear who first reported an encounter with this specific mysterious monster, but he or she, or it, I guess, I guess it's not a she, he or it, never reported as a female entity, Okay, has been described as looking the same way countless times by you know people around the globe. Mm-hmm. And the hat man typically appears, like most shadow people at night, dressed in either a long black trench coat or a black three-piece suit, actually, huh. wearing, as the name implies, a black hat. He's so fancy. Usually like a fedora. Yes, he's well-dressed. Uh, witnesses say the hat man's eyes often, but not always, glow red, and that sometimes even occasionally checks a gold pocket watch chained to a, what, maybe a belt? Oh, he is like uber like, like fancy. As if, as if his terror is on some kind of schedule. He's described as being at least six feet tall, and the hat man is alleged to whisper ominous warnings to his victims sometimes. Yikes. And then sometimes these warnings are delivered from atop the victim's chest. And a woman named Angie who never revealed her last name or address when she shared her story online, swears she has seen this hat man many times. Oh. Time now for the hat man on the stairs. One night, Angie saw him standing there on the stairs. Nights when her children stayed with their father or were asleep in their rooms, and Angie was downstairs alone, always when she was alone, that's when the hat man would come. Well, fuck. I always called him the dark man on the stairs, she said. That's where I saw him, coming down the stairs. The first time it happened. The beginning of what became an 18-month ritual. Creeped, it creeped Angie out, but didn't outright scare her. I'm an adult, she'd say, and not easily spooked. I just thought that I must have imagined it. But then it happened again, and again, and again. Oh, dear. Always on the stairs, and his routine never varied. She says, I would catch him walking from the landing down the last couple of stairs. Then he turned left toward the kitchen, and it was a he. He distinctly looked like the shadow of a man, a man in a suit with a hat. She said that this shadow man looked like someone from the 1930s who was dressed for church. And she got this impression strictly off his black outline. She couldn't make out any other features. Mm -hmm. All shadow. And she said that as soon as this dark man turned to walk into the kitchen, he would vanish every time. Stop. It would just kind of disappear, she'd said. I never actually saw him entering the kitchen. I saw him, for lack of a better word, vaporize. Huh. I never saw him get past the dining room, but definitely he was going somewhere. Over time, Angie grew used to the dark man. How is that a thing? She stopped being scared by him. It just happened over and over. He always turns, always vanishes. It becomes somewhat of a strange routine. And then roughly 18 months after she first saw him, she happened to be walking towards the stairs. He was always coming down. And right when he was coming down, she decided to say hello. What? Oh, hey, Shadow Man, she said, (gasps) feigning braveness. She may have gotten somewhat used to him, but he still made her skin crawl. Well, fuck yeah. And after she spoke for the first time, he stopped his pattern. No. He did not continue to walk into the kitchen. He seemed to look at her. (gasps) Oh. Cocking his shadow head to the side, and then he slowly started to walk towards her. Get the and fuck now out. Angie was scared, very scared. She wanted to run, but she couldn't. And she wouldn't. Where? Her son was still in the house. Ugh. She wanted to scream, but couldn't make a sound. He or it continued to walk towards her, step 
by methodical step. It was only 15 feet away now. Still no features, just a shape, a walking shadow. Angie felt tears start to roll down her cheeks. Yeah, no shit. Still, it walked. Uh-uh. Ten feet away now, she felt her bladder release. Warm <gasps> urine ran down her leg. <sighs> Still, he walked. Five feet away now, she couldn't breathe. Her chest felt tight. She thought she'd die if he touched her. Oh, my God. He didn't touch her, but he did speak. <gasps> Soon. No! He whispered. Soon. Oh my god. I want this story to stop. And then it leaned forward its shadowy face less than two feet from her own, and then it quickly turned, walked back towards the kitchen, and vanished. Shut up! Angie broke down and fell to the floor, sobbing. After a few minutes, literally shaking with fright, she cleaned up the mess she had made, took a shower with all the lights on in the bathroom, Uh, yeah. and tried to go to bed. Nope. The next day, she tried to tell herself she made it all up, but she knew it wasn't true. What should she do? Move out? What if it never comes back? Yes, move out. But it did come back the very next night. But not for her. For her son. The next night, her five-year-old son woke up screaming. I bet he did. He told his mother he saw a group of people in his room. (gasps) He woke Angie up in the middle of the night. He was completely hysterical. She ran into the room. He was sitting up in his bed. The look on his frightened face frightened her. She asked what was wrong, and he said, Get rid of them! Get rid of all these people! Oh, baby. She asked what people? And he said, shadow people. (gasps) And then she asked if they said anything. And he said, yes, the man in the hat whispered to me. What did he whisper? Asked Angie. He said, soon. No. Soon. My God. He said he'd come back for me soon. And then he and his friends left. Uh Uh-uh. Angie and her son left the house the next morning. Never stayed there another night. She is a genius. A man would have stayed. Women, we get the fuck out. You get the fuck out of here. What do you think you meant by that? Dude, I don't know, but I have chills everywhere. I'm also a little bit sweaty. And that's a bad combo. What a, I mean, for one word. <sighs> Yeek. Also. Kind of vague. You're kind of a dick for that story. I got to tell you. Why? Because our children also aren't always at our house and I'm frequently alone. It's like, it's like if you replaced Angie with Lindsay. E- were you thinking about that when you... I, I, I was. I knew this story would probably creep you out. Yeah, you're screwed, buddy. Yeah, that one's going to stick with you. With me and with you. <laughs> I, now I'm going to tell you that he's coming for you. Oh, my God. Let's get a few pictures. Here, uh, no, no, I'm not looking this week. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm not. Okay, here's the first picture of the... This cool. is this is just an illustration. That's great. No, you got to look. This is an illustration. <laughs> oh! Come on, show us to continue. You have, you have to see it. God damn it! I don't want to see it! That really freaks you out? These yes! Because I can just... If that thing... Right. Was anywhere in our house. And why did she talk to it? You're not supposed 18 to... 18 months. 18 months, though. I mean, I, I do no. get that on some level. No. If you saw the same thing... Yes, it's, you're no, scared you tell at it first. you get out. You don't talk to it. You don't engage. That's I, the number one rule. I get the thing of trying to be, like, tough, though. And be like, uh, you don't scare me. Hey, what's up? Oh, that's dumb. But after that long? Dude, again, the rules. You're not... Okay, here's the thing. You're not getting the emails that I get. Okay. Okay? Don't engage, huh? It's not don't en- it's it's don't engage because then you're opening yourself up Ugh. to them. So you have to tell them like get out, talk to them like a teenage boy, like hey dude, get the fuck out of here. Which I actually do say to them, and we know I say in life. Don't, aren't you afraid <laughs> that would just make them mad? No, it has to do with like um, basically putting them in their place, telling yeah. them to leave, like like get out of here. I don't believe right. in you. You're not real. Go bother somebody else. You just have to immediately push it away. Yeah, okay. Burn a lot of candles and open the windows. Sage, sage, sage. Cleansing spray. Salt over all the doorways. Okay. All right. Let's get another. Let's get the n- next picture. This is this is not an illustration. This is like a photograph. Oh, 
Oh, okay. That that actually doesn't freak me out. Guy in a little hat looks like a little shadow. Yeah, but they could figure. also be like his dad there at the park with him. That could, feels could be okay. Well, let's let's. This next one is another just kind of photo. I think oh, I don't God. think this is. Now that is not. Ah! <laughs> that is not a shadow person. That's the Babadook. I don't ever. I don't know what Babadook is. The Babadook is another creature that I'm sure we will be talking about is in a future gone? story. Please it's an embodiment gone. of evil. No, check it out. No, because, I no, looked, no. I saw it. it's, it's burned into the back of my eyeballs. I don't okay. need to see any more. Okay, I know what okay. it looks like. I, I brought this up because I it's wearing a hat. It's you. another creature wearing a hat, but also part of my favorite internet meme this Halloween. This is funny. I swear. This Kyler showed me this. Okay. Because I wanted you to see Babadook. Check out this next photo. This is so oh, funny yeah, to me. Oh, yeah. Kyler showed me that. This is, and it says, uh, <laughs> throwback Thursday to Halloween when I dressed up as the Babadook, but my friend's uh, house had more of a grown-ups drinking wine vibe. <laughs> <laughs> that has made me laugh so hard. And then Kyler showed me the inverse. Somebody this year, yeah, some he author, showed me, that. Yeah. showed me the next this next picture, which is flipped, which is <laughs> throwback Thursday to Halloween when I went to a friend's house for a grown-ups drinking wine party, but there was more of a uh, Baba Duke vibe, and it's the one person not dressed up as Baba Duke. Oh my god! So okay, so a little cleanse with some laughter at the end. That's not cleansing, babe. It's a little. It's a little cleansing. Not really. So why do why does it have a hat, dude? Yeah, I, you know the questions I have for that one. I don't. I don't. I have no idea even what to ask because it's so weird. This entity. Well, like like why is it? Why would it say soon? Why would it show up to the sun? I, who knows? Is it, I don't uh, understand its rules. I want to make a backstory about him where he's like um, a man who works in a shop, like a um, like a, a tinkerer of clocks and things okay. from a different age. Like that's what I think about with the the pocket watch. I think that he, when he's saying like soon, he is like, is he Father Time? He, I don't know. Is he didn't hear from Angie. I mean, who knows what's going on with Angie? Whoever that person is. I mean, right. if this is real, I mean, they might not be with us anymore. We don't know. Right. And like when he says "soon," does that mean like I'm coming for you soon? Something's going to happen soon. And why with the little boy? Why were there multiple? I people? know that's an extra that's... creepy thing. Why? Why does he bring in friends? Yikes! Well, you know, kids are more open to these things. Yeah. I know. I have chills everywhere. <laughs> yeah, this is creepy. not good. Yeek, dude. Okay. Why? All I, all I could think about was lying in bed mm-hmm. and Hatman. But here's the thing. What I liked about Hatman, yeah. if I can say that, I liked him. <laughs> I like you, Hatman, if you can hear me. <laughs> if if she wouldn't have acknowledged him, Maybe. I don't think anything would have happened. I, who knows? I mean, would he just wear her down and break it <sighs> down? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, yeah, why does it keep doing the same? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I, didn't like, I didn't like the breaking the pattern part. But she... She broke the pattern. She broke the pattern. But I, yeah. but I don't like that this thing also then broke the pattern when she when she because did Because that's the thing I'm telling you. If you engage with it, it's like, you know. I mean, if somebody is like constantly like tapping on you, eventually you're gonna be like, dude, stop it. So I mean I get it. He okay. was just, in my opinion, just wearing her down. So maybe Angie wasn't as strong as we think she was. Maybe not. And I just want to acknowledge again, she got the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. She did. Okay. Yeah. Smart. Smart. Well, you leave. You leave. This next story, they don't leave for quite some time. Because they're fucking stupid. I don't this, get it. This is this. I know it's is, well, all about finances. No, actually, this is this is an unusual one. This next one is going to be different. I think this is going to surprise you. This is uh, okay. a Do haunting story. Cross? Yeah, you probably will. <laughs> okay, this thing is it's great. People staying. It's 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 different. Okay, it, it's it's a you know traditional haunting story in some sense, but very untraditional in others. Okay, all I see in my mind is the the black hat guy. It's going to be such a long couple weeks. Well, I don't know. This this next story might stick with you more than the black hat guy. I was doing so good for a minute. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, about your mental health. Oh. You re- are you ready for this next story? As, mu- as much as you can be? Yeah, me and my black hat friend. It's, it's not can you a, see him? It's, it's He's not, right here. It's not the black hat shadow person, so at least there's he's, that. He's here with me. We're ready to listen together. 
Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, let's talk about the Sally House. Okay. The Sally House in the little 12,000-person town of Atchison in northeast Kansas is the birthplace, not the house, but the town, of famed early aviator Amelia Earhart. Cool. The original eastern terminus of the Topeka and Santa Fe Railway. Cute little town. Classic American 1950s small town vibe. At one time, it was a major railroad center that rivaled Kansas City and Omaha, seemed destined to be a major Midwestern destination, but then the line was replaced by newer, better routes, and that changes destiny. Okay. One of the homes that was built less than two decades after its founding in 1854 bills itself as the most haunted house in America, the Sally House. Sally House is a spooky little white brick two-story farmhouse built somewhere between 1867 and 1872 multiple peaks, one window upstairs in each side of the square building, lies two blocks off the Missouri River, 508 North 2nd Street, still stands there today. Oh. It's not gothic exactly, but gothic-ish. I'll have pictures to show you later, and it's very creepy. The house belonged to the Finney family for many, many years. The original owner was one Dr. Charles Finney. He used the front of the house as an office space, an examination room for his patients. The living spaces for himself and his wife and baby were upstairs. And according to local legend, one day, a local mother rushed her young, collapsed daughter into his house. The little girl was suffering from abdominal pains. Mm-hmm. Dr. Finney diagnosed the problem as appendicitis. Okay. He was worried that her appendix was about to burst. He told his mother that her young daughter, named Sally, needed oh. immediate surgery. And the mother consented to let the doctor open her daughter up right then and there. Oh. Rushing out of fear that her appendix would burst at any moment and he wouldn't be able to save her, Dr. Finney began to operate on Sally before her anesthesia had fully sedated her. Oh, no. And she started, of course, to scream in pain. Things got sloppy. Dr. Finney had a hard time holding her down as he did, uh, as did her panicked mother. Oh, my God. Dr. Finney had already opened her up a bit and she started bleeding more than he expected as he attempted to proceed with the operation, which was difficult, as you might imagine, on a little body writhing in pain. Oh, my God. Sally would die screaming in pain <gasps> on his operating table. Oh. And some think her troubled spirit lives on in this house, the house named after her to this day. After Sally's botched operation, long before the days of malpractice, Dr. Finney continued to work out of and live in the home. After Dr. Finney passed away, the Finney family continued to live in the house for several generations until 1947. After the Finneys left the property, it was rented to numerous tenants. And then on New Year's Eve, 1992, Tony and Deborah Pickman, young newlyweds, moved in. 
Deborah was pregnant with their first son, who they'd already named Taylor, and Taylor's first playmate almost led to his family's early demise. Oh. Time now for the tale of the Sally House. For the first month and a half, the couple didn't experience anything paranormal. On February 14th, the couple celebrated Valentine's Day at home, Tony making a big Italian dinner, and they celebrated the upcoming birth of their first child. And that would be the last night of complete peace they'd have in almost two years. Oh, man. Like many couples, the two liked to snuggle up on the couch and watch TV together at night. And the night after Valentine's, they both saw the main light in the living room began to dim for the first time. The overhead ceiling light would dim to a soft glow by for four to five minutes and then return suddenly to full brightness. Weird. And this goes on for weeks, always at night, always when they're watching TV. Sometimes just once, sometimes the pattern repeats itself numerous times throughout the evening. Awesome. Slowly dimming, four to five minutes, and then back to full brightness. They replaced the bulb numerous times. Tony replaced the fuse in the fuse box. No dimmer switch to adjust. They had an electrician come out and examine it. He couldn't find anything wrong. Shit. And then one night in the living room, while the light dimmed yet again, Deborah joked that it must be a ghost. Ha ha. Both of them laughed because at the time, neither believed in ghosts. That would soon change. And then after the ghost comment, the light returned to full wattage and never dimmed again. Oh. Not this particular light, as if a ghost was trying to make contact with them. And once acknowledged, didn't feel the need to perform a dimming light parlor trick anymore. As soon as the light began to function normally, the rest of the house started to behave abnormally. The couple had three cats and a dog, and one night, shortly after the light stopped dimming, Tony heard their dog, Sasha, barking upstairs. He walked about, found her standing in the hallway, facing unborn Taylor's future nursery, staring intently into the room, hair raised, barking, snarling. Oh, dear. Tony looked into the room and saw nothing. He walked into the room to show Sasha it was okay, but she wouldn't follow him. Just more barking, more snarling. This went on for a few minutes. And over the next week, it happened several additional times. Sasha would stand in the doorway, barking and snarling at whatever she was seeing or sensing in that nursery. And then after about a week, she stopped. Hmm. Perhaps whatever was in the room had left. Perhaps Sasha had decided that whatever was in the room was no longer a threat. Maybe she just got used to it. A new, unannounced, and unacknowledged member of the family. Shortly after this experience, Tony began to walk into cold spots inside the house. No logical reason for the house to have them. They had no central AC. They had one tiny air conditioner, a little window unit placed in the master bedroom upstairs. Far away from the stairways where Tony began to feel extremely cool gusts of air blow past him. Weird. Much, much colder than the surrounding air. His brother-in-law's wife, Jeannie, also felt it. Soon, Uh Deborah did as well. Sasha and the cats also kept occasionally reacting to something that Tony and Deborah couldn't see around the house. Then one night in mid-May, Deborah wakes up to hearing what sounds like someone screaming in the upstairs hallway. Shut up. Followed by several loud, quick thumps that sounded like someone or something coming down the stairs. Uh. Suddenly terrified, she screams, wakes up Tony, who also screams. And then both Tony and Deborah notice that the cats are frantically scurrying about their room, hissing, with the hair on their back standing up like Sasha the dog. They seem to be reacting as, as if someone or something is in the room with them. Something near. Fuck. Tony and Deborah convince themselves that something had just gotten their cats worked up. Something normal, like a neighbor's cat. Nope. And they start laughing about how they both just screamed like someone was trying to murder them. The cats must have made the noise that sounded like someone screaming. The cats must have also made the thumping noises in the hallway. They still had not begun to entertain the idea of a haunting. Months of strange and similar occurrences follow. And then on June 26th, little Taylor, their son, is born. Happy and healthy. 
And about a week later, a few days after getting home from the hospital, Deborah experiences the unexplainable again. She was talking on a cordless phone, started walking into the nursery when the line suddenly went dead. She popped back out of, into the hallway. Suddenly she could hear whoever she was talking to once more. <gasps> a few minutes later, she tries walking back into the nursery and it happens again. Weird. Strange that the nursery would suddenly become some kind of dead zone for a cordless landline when it never was before. Later, when the couple became convinced that they were being haunted, they were told by paranormal investigators that spirits can give off an intense amount of energy that can create electrical interference. Uh-huh. For the next several weeks, the phone would suddenly go dead in various areas of the house, mainly the nursery. They replace the batteries, they get a new phone, and it just keeps happening. And then, one day, just like the living room light, it suddenly stops. Whenever one strange type of occurrence would stop, it seemed as if another would start. Mm-hmm. Shortly after the phone started to work again, Tony was vacuuming in the nursery when Taylor's mobile started suddenly spinning around and playing on its own. Shut up. Freaked out, he stops vacuuming. He leaves the room. Then feeling foolish, thinking he must have just, it must have just malfunctioned. He goes back in to finish vacuuming. The mobile starts to move and make the noise again. (sighs) He decides the room is clean enough and he is done for the night. Yeah, no shit, man. Then something a little bit creepier happens. A little bit harder to explain. A few days later... Tony walks into the nursery and finds all of Taylor's stuffed animals sitting on the floor in the center of the room with their backs to each other. What? Staring out towards the walls. What? The sight of this, how methodically arranged they were, gives him the chills. He runs downstairs, asks Deborah if she had done this. Why would she? She tells him, of course not. She goes upstairs to see, you know, if what he had just described is true. It is. The toys are laid out exactly like Tony described. What the hell is going on? Get the fuck out of there. They try to think who could have done that. Tony's sister-in-law, Jeannie, had been in their house earlier that day to drop off a, a high chair. They call her. When Tony tells her what he's, you know, found, she gasps, oh my God. She says that when she'd come over to drop off that high chair for the young couple, she thought the house felt off. Yeah. Then she felt drawn somehow to the nursery. What? She walked upstairs, the feeling of off intensified. Oh my God, oh my God. When she made it to the nursery, she said the feeling became overwhelming. And suddenly, before she could even go in the room, every part of her body told her to get out of the house. (gasps) So she did. Get the fuck out of here. And she felt embarrassed. She didn't want to say anything because she thought she'd just sound crazy. When Tony told Jeannie about the strange things he and Deborah had experienced in the home, she asked, do you think you have a ghost? And now for the first time, this was exactly what Tony and Deborah were starting to think. That night when Tony and Karen and baby Taylor were downstairs, the nursery light turned on all by itself. Shit. This would become a regular occurrence for the rest of the time they would live in this home. The possibility of a ghost feeling more and more likely by the hour. The next day, while all of the toys were not arranged on the center of the floor, one teddy bear inexplicably was laying out in the middle of the floor. Deborah was sure she had left it sitting on a little rocking chair in Taylor's nursery. The couple decided to perform a little experiment just to make sure they weren't going crazy. Oh my God. They invited Deborah's sister Karen over. And while Tony and Karen watched, Deborah carefully set the teddy bear back in the rocking chair. They all left the room together so no one could knock off the bear without others seeing them do it. They go downstairs, talk in the kitchen for a while. And then Deborah volunteers to creep back up the stairs while Tony and Karen watch her progress from below. She decides that as soon as she can see into the nursery, she will peek in, assess the area. She knows she can do this a few steps before actually reaching the upper landing, where Tony and Karen can still see her. Okay, okay. Not really wanting to, but feeling compelled to do so, she quickly glances into the room. What she sees sends a wave of terror down her spine. She says the bear is on the floor again. Fuck me. 
Karen and Tony come bolting up the stairs. They see it too. The little bear once again lying in the middle of the floor, face up, positioned exactly as it had been the last time they found it there. Weird. The house is definitely haunted. The next day, Tony's brother Larry comes over. He wants to see this phenomenon for himself. People are getting curious. Right. Karen, Larry, Tony, and Deborah all try to recreate the little teddy bear experiment. This time, it doesn't work. Oh. They do it over and over again. Nothing unusual happens. Okay. But then, when they're all gathered in the living room downstairs, Tony notices that another toy. I don't know why these people had so many teddy bears. (laughs) But a stuffed beanbag teddy... And I saw a video of some of the stuff on YouTube. This is, I'll explain later. But there are they were into teddy bears for whatever reason. Uh, Tony notices that another toy, a stuffed beanbag teddy bear that normally sat on a shelf facing the television, now turned facing the wall. Tony asked who turned it. Of course, everyone says no. Larry, the least freaked out of the bunch, walks over to turn this other teddy bear back around, and then he pauses when he grabs it. The usually stoic man seemed a little freaked out. Yeah. He comments on how unusually heavy it is. Oh? This thing weighed less than a pound. He turned it around with a little bit of effort, and then he moves away from it. Something spooked him more than he was willing to admit. He still wouldn't agree with the others, who now definitely thought the house was haunted, but he did admit that something odd was going on in this house. The next few weeks, more strange instances of toys moving around on their own. Other things are occurring. Tony's mom now is getting freaked out. She wants to help. Oh, my God. She gets a little spooked herself. You know, she's worried about her son, her daughter-in-law, her grandson. She does some digging. It's a small town. Right. And realizes that she knows the mother of a woman who was once one of the previous renters. Awesome. So she calls her old friend, who talks to her daughter, who then relays some interesting information back to her. Mm-hmm. This woman's daughter reported that she would often smell something odd or foul in the house. Eek. Also said that her young son had slept in the corner bedroom, now the nursery. Uh-huh. She went on to say that she was always picking up his toys and reprimanding <gasps> him for not putting them away. Her boy would often report, you know, say back, you know, but mama, I didn't play with those toys. Oh my God. She just chalked it up to the typical little lies of a kid not wanting to get in trouble for not picking up their toys. Jesus. She also added that her daughter had an, uh, a bedroom upstairs as well and that uh, she hadn't remembered anything strange, ex- you know, happening in her room with one exception. Okay. She remembers her little gr- girl had grown unusually attached to an imaginary playmate named Sally. No, no. No. Her daughter hadn't spoken to Sally since moving away. Yeah, because she's not there. Shortly after learning all this, Tony's brother Larry finds out that his boss, Annie, had called her sister Barbara and briefly relayed her experiences or their experiences. Barbara was a psychic and medium living out in Southern California. So she gets on the phone with Deborah, and without ever having set foot, foot in the house, she says that she strongly felt the spirit of a young girl between 5 and 13 years old living with them. Shut up. She says they had nothing to worry about. She says the little spirit just liked living in the house. She felt comfortable there. And she loved their baby Taylor. Felt protective of it. Oh my God. Barbara also explained that the movement of the stuffed animals was probably just this little spirit playing with them as if they were her own toys. She wanted toys. She wanted playmates. That's not comforting. It was comforting to Deborah. Deborah. Barbara suggested that Tony and Deborah just tell the supposedly harmless child ghost that she was welcome to stay in the house, but that you have to behave. She could play with the toys, but she had to put them back when she was done. Give it rules. Make it clear this was their house. And if she wanted to stay there, she would have to follow their rules. Treat her like a child because, in a sense, that's what she was. Okay. The information comforts Deborah more than she expected it to. I am not on board. It didn't sound as weird to her as she would have guessed it would have. She didn't feel threatened by the ghost of this girl. She was curious about her. Also, she liked to think maybe this little girl was watching over Taylor somehow. That is not comforting. Maybe he was watching over a baby. Tony did not share these feelings. 
Tony, it, you're awesome. It bothered him that his wife seemed fond of this, you know, possible spirit. Mm-hmm. That night, Tony and Deborah see that a photo of the two of them had been turned upside down. What was Sally trying to tell them? Was she angry with them for talking to Barbara? Uh-huh. Over the next few months, other friends and family see strange things in the house on North 2nd Street. Lights flickering or straight turning, you know, straight up turning on and off. Cold spots, toys seemingly moving on their own. They start taking pictures around the house, start trying to catch the spirit. Developed film later shows strange orbs and blurs. Were these unusual images proof of Sally's existence? Uh-huh. Then one day Sally or some other entity seemingly physically shows itself by attacking Tony. What? Tony and Deborah were heading out of the house to head across town to visit Tony's parents. Tony picked up Taylor, set him in his car seat, began to buckle him into place. Oh my God. He sat to the left of the car seat facing Taylor. He leaned in to give him his pacifier and then suddenly, with a painful grimace, Tony jumps to his feet, quickly flings his arm back around to feel something on his lower back. He yells, ow, God damn it! At almost the same instant that Tony jumped up, Deborah feels a cold and slightly electrical charge of energy go right through her. It seemed to have entered her back, exited through her torso, right in the direction where Tony had been sitting. Oh my God. Deborah lifts Tony's shirt to inspect his back as they walk out of the house and she finds three bleeding scratch marks. Shut up. Each about five or six inches long. The thought that Sally may have done this sends chills down her spine. And then she gets angry. And then her anger turns to curiosity. What? They both wonder, how could a ghost do something like that? And then she wonders, what what could we expect next? Was Sally mad because they were taking Taylor out of the house? Uh-huh. Were they in danger? Was the baby in danger? The next morning, Deborah calls Barbara, the psychic, who tells her again that the spirit is just a child. And like a child, sometimes it lashes out. But they shouldn't be afraid. They just needed to talk to it. Get the fuck out! Following Barbara's instructions, Tony and Deborah stood in the nursery and told Sally they needed to talk to her. Deborah told her what she had done to Tony was not okay. It was bad. She had hurt him. What? She tells uh, her that the you know baby Taylor is theirs, not hers, but she could play with him, but only if, he, if she was nice. If not, they would have to leave, and they will take Taylor with them. Oh, dang. Tony hates this. He's, he doesn't, he's not going to talk to some ghost, if that's what it even is. Deborah gives Sally rules to follow. Put the toys back. No hurting people. No playing with pictures on the wall. What? And then suddenly, don't Tony and Deborah notice that all three of their cats, usually roaming around the house, are in the room, sitting next to each other, and they're all watching something that Tony and Deborah can't see, following something across the room with their heads. Was Sally in the room with them? Was she listening? Then the chain under the ceiling fan you'd pull to turn, uh, you know, the fan on starts to move. The cats start watching the chain, as does Baby Taylor. Is Sally announcing her presence? Oh my God. A few weeks later, Barbara the Psychic flies out to visit the house. Okay. She wants to meet Sally. She's more and more curious, and she does meet Sally. She experiences a smothering feeling in her chest when she enters the home, as if she's short of breath. Something heavy. She tells Sally that she's not there to harm her, and then that heavy feeling goes away. Barbara seems to channel Sally's spirits. She starts speaking like a little girl. She suddenly says that Deborah has given her too many rules. She can't remember them all. What? She says she's only seven years old, and then her hand hurts. Why does her hand hurt? Her tooth hurts. Why does her tooth hurt? Barbara switches back and forth between speaking as herself and speaking as Sally. She tells them that Sally loves Taylor and is protective of the baby. She says that Sally likes the mommy, but that the daddy makes her nervous. (gasps) And sometimes the daddy makes her mad. Oh, boy. Barbara thinks that some man must have hurt Sally at some point. Right. Maybe the doctor. She also says Sally doesn't ever want to leave the house. She feels safe there and secure. Barbara says that Sally is a good girl. And that she will behave. She just wants a family to belong to. 
Yeep. Tony doesn't like this at all. He doesn't trust Barbara. He doesn't trust Sally. Deborah feels sorry for the little girl, how lonely she must be. Also, Deborah thinks the whole experience, minus Tony being scratched, is kind of cool. What? How unique. She's curious. She wants to communicate with this lost little girl. Jesus. She suddenly feels maternally protective of her. That's fucking weird. For the next few months, the cold spots, objects moving on their own, strange electrical charges, and more continue. More and more friends start to come over to want to meet Sally. See something move. See some lights flicker on and off. Some see nothing. Some see something. Some like it. Some never come back again. Then in September, Sally starts lighting little fires. Uh oh. She's acting out. Candles start lighting up on their own around the house. Uh. Tony worries this entity is going to burn their house down. Yeah. Deborah just speaks to her like a parent, telling her that she can't set fires if she wants to stay. And the fires then stop for a while, then they start again later. On September 12th, uh, September 12th, 1993, Deborah, for the first time, feels a cold presence enter her bed. Ooh. Roughly 1.30 a.m., and it doesn't scare her. She thinks it's Sally crawling into bed to cuddle. Oh, my God. And she lets it happen. Shut the fuck up! Then, on Halloween, October 31st, the morning, Tony sees Sally for the first time. About 7.15 a.m., Tony grabs some OJ from the refrigerator after getting home from working the graveyard shift at a local grain silo. He walks over to the cupboard to the right side of the stove to grab a glass and pour himself a juice. And right as he's about to take a drink, he turns around and he sees her. Standing in the middle of the room, just past a butcher block table, was a little girl with a surprised look in her big blue eyes. He judges her to be about three and a half feet tall. His heart plummets to his feet. Every muscle freezes. Who was this girl? How did she get inside the house? Then he notices something odd about the way she's dressed. Her hair neatly fastened on top of her curly brown, you know, uh, hair, you know, her head, uh, a ribbon, large fancy bow. She looks to be in her Sunday best. Her clothes weren't the kind of clothes a kid has worn, though, in over a hundred years. And then he thinks, oh my God, is this Sally? His glass slips from his hand, shatters on the floor. He instinctively looks down on the floor just for a moment. And then when he looks back up, she's gone. She's gone. What is happening? Tony wondered, is he losing his mind? Nope. That Thanksgiving, Deborah's sister Karen comes into town, brings her young daughter, Corey. While Karen is doing dishes around 8 p.m., she hears scratchy noises outside the window. She suddenly feels overcome with fear. She refuses to look up and see if anything is looking at her from outside the window, and she leaves the room. She walks into the living room, and then she sees six-inch-high flames shoot out from the head of that beanbag teddy bear. What? The one that Tony and Deborah saw move months ago. Yeah, the heavy one. Deborah, exactly. Deborah was growing strangely attached to St- Sally, scolds the spirit, but feels sorry for her. She rationalizes the fire as Sally just trying to get some attention. Oh my God, enough. That Christmas, there's another fire. A small doll on the stairs spontaneously bursts into flames. Tony yeah. actually sees it happen. He takes it up to the sink, puts out the fire while the alarm goes off. Deborah decides to give Sally an oil lamp now of her own to light up when she feels the need to start a fire. Oh my God, this is insane. She's talking out loud to Sally all the time as if Sally is Taylor's older sister. Get the fuck out of there. A few weeks later, when Deborah and Tony get their Christmas photos developed for the first time, they see <gasps> you know numerous orbs now, numerous blurs. Is there another spirit in the house besides Sally? Oh my God, Sally brought a friend. In January of 1994, Tony starts walking up uh, or waking up to the sounds of footfalls out on the stairs. After several consecutive nights of hearing this, he gets up, walks outside his bedroom, then freezes with fear. He hears footsteps moving up the stairs towards him, directly towards yeah. him. He then feels a cold spot move through him. No. As if the spirit just walked inside of him and walked out the other side. It makes him feel nauseous. He decides to not wake Deborah up. 
He lays back down, has a nightmare he can barely remember, one where someone is grabbing him by the wrist, trying to pull him off of the bed, and then the next day he has bruises on each wrist in the shape of fingers. Shut up! A few weeks later, Tony sees the second ghost from the Christmas photo. One night, he asks Deborah, did you just walk past the bath? And he stops in mid-sentence as he realizes the answer before he's finished the question. He tells Deborah that he just saw the figure of a woman with blonde hair piled up on her head walk toward the craft room. He had a glimpse of this figure out of the corner of his eye. I could have sworn it was you, he said. They both get scared. She wasn't there. Who is this second spirit? Does she mean harm to them? Does she mean harm to their baby? Oh, shit. Deborah privately worries about Sally. Oh, my God, Will Deborah. Will this other spirit harm Sally? Tony, Deborah, and Tony's little brother, George, decide to hold a seance to try and contact Sally and this other spirit, any other spirits that may be in the home. How is that a good idea? When Deborah asks Sally to light an oil lamp on the table in front of all three of them to reveal her presence, nothing happens. When they ask her again to please show herself, suddenly Tony cries out in pain. Immediately, three strange cuts have opened on his forehead. When they ask Sally to please stop hurting Tony, but to reveal herself, a strange white light floats into the dark room. Yeah. It shoots underneath the table. Then Tony, under the table, finds one of Taylor's binkies, one oh, that has no. been missing, and the plastic pacifier has a melted tip, still hot to the touch. Oh, my God. Did Sally burn it intentionally, or does she sometimes burn things just by contacting them? They stay in the home. Over the next few months, Tony is assaulted numerous more times by Sally. More scratches, bruises, a bite to the thigh, the feeling of being pinned to the ground. He wants to leave. Deborah does not. She thinks they can still make things work with Sally. She cares about her. Oh my God, you're insane. There are more small fires around the house. Deborah continues to just scold the spirit. Meanwhile, Tony grows more and more afraid. In early July, Tony is attacked again. Deb hears what sounds like a distorted version of Tony's voice, calling her name from their bedroom late one morning. When she opens the door, she finds him on the far side of the bed, his arms stretched out from his sides, palms and body laid flat, head lifted, and a look of terror in every line of his face. When she asks him what's wrong, he tells her he'd fallen asleep and for some reason woken up, which was not unusual, since he had an awful time trying to sleep during daylight hours because of his graveyard work, yeah. you know, his graveyard shift work. And then he says, It started out as specks of dust against the light from the window. I thought it was dust from the vent in the wall near the end of the bed. That is until I realized it had not been cool enough in the room for the heater to come on. I felt the water bed mattress start to gently roll and wave. Within a few seconds, it became violent, as if someone was standing on the bed and jumping up and down. Soon the motion was causing the pillows near my head to bounce several inches into the air. My body began to flop uncontrollably. The formation of dust particles near the foot of the bed began to get darker and denser. I think I was mesmerized by this formation, and before I realized, it had taken the shape of a woman's upper torso, her arms folded in front of her and across her abdomen. The thing started to move closer to me, and as it did, I could make out more details. It was a woman I'd seen before. <gasps> I was scared. I don't know why I didn't get up to leave. As she got closer, I could see she was dressed all in black, with a high collar adorned with a brooch. At that point, the water in the baffle of the mattress was frantically sloshing. It got so violent that I was barely able to move away and toward the other side of the bed. My heart pounded like crazy. I thought, it, I thought it would burst out of my chest at any minute. I tried to call for you, but nothing would come out. And then in an instant, she was in front of me. The bedroom door slammed shut. The drawer from the nightstand flung itself open and closed repeatedly. The top of the high boy spun around. It was like being in a sci-fi movie, and I could not scream. The woman's hand suddenly lunged from my face and I heard a voice say, I'm gonna. There was more that was said, but I couldn't make it out. 
I remember her hand was covered in a long black lace glove, and just inches from my face, I saw a black bird on her finger. <sighs> I struggled to crawl out of the bed, over to the door. I don't know if I was just too scared to work the knob properly or what, but I couldn't open the door. Then, suddenly, everything that was moving stopped, and she was gone. I tried to scream several times, but couldn't. Nothing would come out. I don't remember anything more. I don't know how I got back on the bed, <sighs> except that maybe when everything stopped, I got back up and walked over there. I don't know. Maybe I blacked out or something. Then you open the door. While, set, while Deborah still wasn't bothered by Sally, this new entity is scaring the hell out of her. Good. What does it want with her husband? Should they leave the house? Yes, yes. But what about Sally? <sighs> She'll be fine. Shortly after this new attack on Tony, Deborah's psychic acquaintance Barbara calls her. She'd been talking to a paranormal investigation team from an old show called Sightings that ran for several seasons on Fox in the early 90s. A show about paranormal, UFO, cryptozoological investigations. She said the show's producers wanted to send a team out to investigate her house. Okay. The Sightings investigation team heads out to Kansas. Sure enough, they feel various cold spots. They see orbs. Right. They hear hard-to-explain sounds. They feel numerous strange electrical discharges. Also, the production crew witnesses Tony feel a cold sensation around his stomach and start to scream. He lifts his shirt and reveals more fresh scratches. <gasps> He's bleeding. Then he yells out again, more scratches on his abdomen. The welts forming in front of the crew's eyes. The next day, another paranormal investigator is brought in. He examines, of all things, a rose Tony had picked for Deborah, and put in a little vase and is, is astonished with what he finds. The edges of each petal have been burned black, but the rest of the flower is not damaged. It seems impossible. What could do this? Sightings investigators return a second, third, fourth time. On the third visit, paranormal author Peter James sees the face of a little girl in an upstairs window. Was it Sally? Sally? The sighting crew, or the sightings crew, also you know brings another or, or a previous tenant to the house, a woman with three children, who said that her daughter also played with an imaginary friend named Sally. She also recalls many incidents of finding toys laying around the house that her kids swore they weren't responsible for. Mm -hmm. When the sightings crew visits a fourth time in the fall of '94, they introduce a reverend and medium of some sort to Tony and Deborah, who later agrees to come out and cleanse their home of spirits. Deborah agrees to the cleansing ceremony to banish spirits from the house, but she feels guilty about banishing Sally. Of course. She keeps having this weird feeling that Sally is watching over Taylor. She even thinks, and she knows this sounds crazy, she thinks that Sally may have saved her baby from dying in his sleep of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. She knows it, she knows it sounds crazy, but she feels it just the same. Okay. During the cleansing ceremony, the medium makes a protection circle, and Deborah, against Tony and the medium's wishes, invites Sally inside of the circle. She what claims the fuck? She claims she can feel a cold presence sit upon her lap. Once the ceremony begins, she's comforted by this. What in the fuck? They recite the Lord's Prayer numerous times. They invite God's light into their home. They visualize God's light illuminating all of the darkness inside the home. They imagine this light getting bigger and more powerful and brighter and cleansing. Then, during the ceremony, Tony starts to scream out in pain. The older female spirit was attacking him. The medium said she could feel his dark, malevolent presence. Tony starts spasming in pain and whimpering. Candles they had laid out around the circle begin to violently flicker. New scratches erupt all over Tony's back and neck. Ugh. He begins to spontaneously bleed. The spirit begins to hit him. Bruises oh before God. later. His skin starts to feel like it's burning. He's in agony. Oh, my God. What did it want? And then suddenly... It was over, and the house, for lack of a better word, feels normal. At least that's what they thought. Days after the ceremony, the cleansing ceremony, the terror now 
intensifies. Mm-hmm. Tony starts to hear scratching noises inside the walls at all times of the day. Ooh. He starts hearing whispering coming from inside the house, the chatter of many voices. He's now hearing movement on the stairs every night. He tells Deborah, but suddenly she doesn't seem to care. What? She's obsessed with Sally. Deborah feels Sally's presence more than ever. She's glad she saved her from banishment. She loves her. It's not Sally. She never wants to leave this house. And then Tony starts fighting new horrible thoughts. He now sometimes suddenly wants to hurt his son, Taylor. He wants to hurt the pets. He wants to hurt his wife, Deborah. Sometimes he suddenly thinks about killing Deborah. Oh my God. One day his thoughts darker than ever while one of his cats drinks from its water bowl. No. He impulsively grabs a butcher knife. No. And stabs the cat in the stomach. He sits down and watches it die. Oh, no. He feels zero remorse. He feels like a different person. It feels great. <gasps> Why is this happening? He imagines how wonderful he would feel doing the same thing to Deborah when she comes home. Oh, dear. Yes, he must do it. He wants to see her do what he has done to the cat, and then he'll do the same to her. It all felt so reasonable. And then suddenly it didn't. He snaps out of what felt like a trance. He couldn't believe what he just thought, what he just done. He cleans up the dead cat, no longer wants to stab Deborah. He's trying to figure out what's going on in his own mind. What the hell was he thinking? Get the fuck out of this house. He feels tired, confused. Nothing's making sense anymore. When Deborah comes home, he says nothing about the cat. She doesn't notice it's missing. All she cares about is her baby Taylor and, of course, her other baby, Sally. Mm-hmm. Two days after killing the cat, Tony almost dies himself. He's walking out of his bedroom when suddenly something pushes him violently from behind. His Holy feet shit. leave the ground. He flies into the railing, breaking out three rungs, nearly topples headfirst over down onto the floor below. He would have broken his neck. Oh my my God. God, how much longer can this go on? He tells Deborah he's almost died. Something's tried to kill him. That some This somehow snaps Deborah out of whatever spell she was under. They call the landlord. They finally tell him they're going to move. Oh, finally. They move out of the house on October 31st, 1994. Sally does not come with them, but Deborah feels her rage and sadness as they start to leave. When she's walking out of the house, she suddenly has a powerful urge to take their baby and run back inside. Oh my God, no, no, no. She should leave Tony. She doesn't need him. No. She only needs Sally and Taylor. Oh my God. She almost turns around. But she doesn't. She does leave, and then reflecting on this incident months later, Deborah questions if Sally was ever a real girl. Was Sally just some sinister, demonic, manipulative manifestation? Some way to get her to stay in that house with the baby. What if the goal was to kill Tony the entire time, and once he was gone, take possession of Deborah? Taylor or both of them? What if Sally and that woman were the same thing? Uh-huh. Different aspects of the same evil inside that house. They'll never know for sure. They're just glad they no longer live there. And no one currently lives there, but the house is open for tours. Oh. You can pay to stay overnight if you want. And if you do that, say hi to Sally for us because we're not going there. Uh Uh-uh. That's that story. Oh, motherfucker. Creepy, right? So many things. This thing manipulated her. Well, I think that Sally might be real. But I think that... She's, she's not a good girl. No, I don't necessarily think that. Really? Yeah, I think that Sally brought a friend along. Ah. That's what I think the problem is. I think that Sally... If Sally is a real spirit, I think that Sally is okay. I think that Sally is the little girl that had surgery and died. Yeah. And Sally is sad, right? Like, right. You know, and she does. She just wants a family and all yeah. of that. I think that Sally has attached herself to another spirit, if that's a thing. Yeah, or, who knows? I mean, when it really got real for me was in the yeah. in the circle. I yeah. don't think that, that was Sally sitting in Deborah's lap. 
I think <sighs> at that point, yeah. I think it was the other thing, and that's why the power became stronger, and right. and the scratching in the walls and the voices. I think that that's why it became so much more intense. Okay, okay. Uh, let, let, let's uh, picture just for the house. Okay. Yeah, first picture is uh, of the house here. So that's the house. Um, that is just the house. Okay. Um, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, it does look a little bad. spooky. Wait, okay, but let me yeah. say something. Uh, where I grew up, yeah, uh, like in Parma Heights, Ohio. For mm-hmm. anybody who's watching. Um, there are a lot of houses that look kind of similar to this in the Parma area. So, yeah, a little creepy, but also just like an older house. Right. Maybe it's not that bad. It's the windows in the yeah. the eaves. Picture a little girl's face up there. I know. I'm looking at the window in the back in that like portico kind of area. Let's do the next picture. Not portico. That's not a portico. That That's just a different angle. I mean, it does look a little spookier there. Yeah. You know, this old painted brick and things. Yeah. Yeek. I think we have another picture I of, don't think of I the see house. It. That's just a little demon girl. It's just somebody's rendition. I thought it was a uh, funny of a little demon girl. Uh, <laughs> we have another picture. <laughs> it's Momo. Momo. Our daughter's nickname is Momo. <laughs> she, and she hates. And she hates meme. it because there's a meme now, the scary meme. When I was looking like demon girl, the, the the Momo meme came up. It is so creepy. It uh, is. It's just so weird. But because I know that it's not real, it's it a sculpture. It's, it's a sculpture made by a, a, a Japanese uh, Kiyuki. Kiyus, uh, man, it's so Don't tough. even try. Kisuki Asawa, I believe. Um, okay, yeah, that's then enough, turned, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, turned to that meme. Oh, that was so creepy. I thought I just saw something crawl on my arm. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> Nothing's there. I thought it was a bug crawling on my arm. I don't know what the hell that was about. Okay, that's enough of Momo. Okay, now for Momo. Poor Momo. Our poor our Momo. She was saying Ooh. that like in school, you know, like the school year hasn't been going for that long and they do right. like... um you know, get to know each other kind of thing. Like, what's your favorite food? Blah, 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 yeah. blah. And they were like, oh, it's your nickname? And she she wrote down Momo and some kid next to her was like, you can't write that. That's not appropriate. <laughs> Going to conjure it into existence? <laughs> well, they just thought that she was being, oh, yeah, just, they didn't really know. Yeah. And they just thought that, that, that was she was trying to be a, uh, a creepster. I don't like how Sally seemed to attach herself, ingratiate herself yeah. to Deborah. If, well, that, I mean, if, if I start to like, oh. I know, right? I have I know. chills well, well, if you think about her motivation, if she was a little girl who died in that house and was trapped there, I, I get, you know, wanting to have playmates. And Wanting mommy. to have a mommy. Yeah. 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 But you don't want to be a little ghost girl's mommy. Well, I, the, it just, when Deborah was getting really attached to Sally, it just started to feel like she was a bit unstable. Where I'm I was sure like, she was. I was like, okay, if that happens, you just by the back of my neck, pull me out of the house and we move. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. You don't get to like be friends with the ghost. I know, like the ghost that's, that's in so our house. Creepy. I, like the ghost that's in our house. If there is. I think he's gone. Good. I never felt it. I don't well, want to. I had like a, uh, you didn't want to. I mean, I didn't want to feel it. I couldn't help feeling it. It's not a choice. But I yelled at it a lot to go away after people told me how to get rid of it. And okay. I did lots of like, Cleansing and spraying things and prayers and, you know, all the different protection spells. But yeah. it was actually kind of funny. I got this email from somebody and they were like, oh, yeah, like my brother and sister-in-law or whatever. They thought they had a ghost. And then at the same time, they had to get a new furnace. And yeah. when they got the new furnace, all the feelings went away. And uh. I swear to God, we had we also had to get a new furnace. The feelings are gone. Okay. Was it trapped in the maybe furnace? Maybe it was trapped in the furnace. I mean, I don't think so. And maybe, maybe I just want... To feel to feel better. that yeah to and rationalize so, it that way maybe yeah and now, now how, how have you uh, do you want to tell people how you've been lately I think you've been better well I was better I don't want to talk about it because all I can see is the 
The Hat Man. The Hat Man. I, I was actually doing great. Now, last week's episode was definitely super fucking scary, but in a really different way. Mm-hmm. And I've been having different, like, spooky, scary thoughts of, like, when I go to my car. I mean, it's that time of year where it's getting dark early. Yeah. And I walk to my car right. after yoga, and, like, no one else is around. And I, for some reason, that story made me feel like, oh, my God, what if I get abducted? Yeah, and different taken, kind of terror. Yeah, yeah, like a very real terror, because obviously I'm not a sex worker. So, yeah, I mean, not that as I far know. as you know. <laughs> So I'm keeping that money if you are. <laughs> well, how do you think I buy all my fancy things? Oh, man. Uh, but I mean, there would be that, that was a an overarching part of those stories that these girls were sex yeah. workers, you know, or that they would get into the prostitution. And that seems like an obvious in like, you know, you're sad, you're lonely, you want something to belong to. Yeah. Right. We kind of mm-hmm. talked about that last week. And so if if you didn't get in that way, how else? Would you be brought into this crazy satanic cult? Right, right, right. Yeah, because it's like if it was if it was just a regular person, you would also have an an out. You would have family looking for you. Yeah. You would have somebody like trying to talk sense into you. Yeah. So in my somehow my mind goes from all of that to I'm going to be abducted and fucking sacrificed on a satanic altar oh in the middle of the forest in North Idaho. Which <sighs> I know how crazy that. I mean, not necessarily North Idaho, but how crazy that that, well, that is exactly how some people have met their demise. People chanting around them and and just literally sacrificed to somebody's belief in the Christian devil. Yeek. Well, well and abductions are, I mean, that's a, a thing that happens. Oh, for like, sure. People for are sure. kidnapped. Do you remember um, the story of Mary Jo Pesho? No. Growing up in Cleveland, this was a really big story, and it's like what has fueled my fear of getting into my car by myself at night and l- why I've learned to like look under the car. Like, I mean, cars are so advanced now, you know, you unlock it from a distance with, yeah. with a remote yeah. and it lights up the whole inside of the car. But it wasn't like that when I started driving, you know. Right. Um, this woman, it was at the, the Parmatown Mall, which was the mall um, 10 minutes from my house, not yeah. even five minutes really. And it was around Christmas, and she was going to her car and, uh, some man was waiting for her. I can't remember if he was hidden in the back seat of her car yeah. or underneath the car, but abducted her, tortured, killed wow. the whole, at least that's how I remember it. Yeah, I mean, I was, because yeah. it was before I was driving, but like maybe I had my learner's permit or something. And it was like just at the right time yeah. where for forever after that, I'm like, Ugh, yeah. getting into a car at night is so fucking scary. Yeah. You got some stories for me? Are you ready? I am ready. I'm excited for this. Do you? I, I, I have. I have somebody give me this. I have a little stress reliever. I have a little squishy, little ghost guy. He's mm-hmm. not a ghost. He's a skeleton. Skeleton. He's a little skeleton guy. I can't say it in Spanish. What is it? A nod to? Um. Dia. Dios del Dios de los Muertes. I think it's Dios de los Muertes. Day of the Dead. I would say Dia de los Motos something. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Dios de los Momo. <laughs> oh no, not Momo. Day of the Momo. Okay, so this story is sent to us by listener Zach Lucas, and he's the only person of the stories this week that was willing to give their name. Everybody else said, leave my name out of it. So just as a heads up, this takes us back to episode two, an update on the Lachance family. Oh, wow. And I, this is, this is pretty spooky. Okay. Hey, my name is Zach Lucas. I can't tell you how stoked I was to hear the Lachance family's story on Scared to Death. I had goosebumps the whole episode. My grandmother, who I spent a lot of time with growing up, actually lives just a couple blocks away from that house. But that's not even the most interesting part. I live in Springfield, Missouri, but 
but uh, sorry, I live in Springfield, Missouri now, but grew up 20 minutes west of Union outside a little town called Gerard, Gerard, Gerald. Our close family friends and neighbors, check this out, were the brother and sister-in-law of Stephen Lachance, Lawrence, also known as Larry, and Charlotte Lachance. When Stephen began investigating the house, Charlotte was a part of their team of investigators. Wow. I can say I saw firsthand some of the evidence that was coming out of this house, and let me tell you, fucking creepy. I tell people all the time about the things that Charlotte had shown me, and most people jump to the, oh, maybe she was photoshopping the pictures or whatever. But let me tell you, this woman barely knew how to turn on the digital camera she took most of her pictures with. (laughs) Right. I watched videos of people getting scratched, heard EVPs, and for people who don't know what that is, it's an electronic voice phenomena, of a disembodied voice screaming, get out, and countless pictures of all kinds of weird shit from odd lights. One that looked like a portal with humanoid shapes coming out of it, orbs, and even a full-bodied apparition of a woman in a very in a scary window where Matt said he saw the man. Really creepy shit. I'm sure wow. you can understand my giddiness when you said something about a haunting in Missouri, and my brain went straight to the creepy house on Christina Avenue, just up the street from Grandma's. Also, just a side note, when you talked about the area, there are several houses in that neighborhood where people have committed suicide, as well as a couple murders in the apartment complex on the corner. And the nursing home you mentioned? My grandma shares her backyard with that nursing home, and it's fucking creepy. Anyways, the screaming house and how not very far removed I was from the people actually involved has since fueled my interest in all things paranormal and everything creepy. I love the job you did telling the Lachance story. Hope this adds some credence to the story and scares you and the queen of the suck to death. Stay scared, Zach. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it is, you know, I'm pulling these from various sources online, old books, you know, whatever. Right. And, you know, I'm not in contact with the people. And a lot of times there's no way to contact them. Again, and I don't know that I'd want and, to and invite I them want into to. my life. No, I don't want to like st- open that door necessarily. So that just makes it that much more real. Right. Where he's like, oh yeah, all the things you were talking about. Yep. I know some of those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Super creepy. Saw some of that stuff myself. Happened. Oh, wow. <gasps> and that's that's a story that has uh, maybe scared the most people. That one. The Chance. Uh, yeah, the Chance mm-hmm. family, the little dark entity moving around in the windows. Dude. All the creepy shit that came out of that basement. My God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that well, one fucked me up for a while. Thank you for sending that in. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of, sort of, not really. But thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Now, this next one, just a reminder to anybody who's just tuning in, I'm terrified of aliens. Oh, yeah. Like like the creepy, you know, weird-shaped head, long, googly fingers, Mm -hmm. like, really fucking creeps me out. So this goes all the way back to episode one, if you're just tuning in. Here's a little update from a fan who would like to remain anonymous, and I am so certain had an alien encounter. I, I totally believe this story. After a shittacular divorce, I ended up living with my parents again for a little while. The house is in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the Midwest, with no other homes nearby. The room I was sleeping in had no curtains, but we weren't concerned with anyone peeping in. Please note, I had not taken any legal or illegal drugs before I went to bed this night. <laughs> the moon was full this night, and it cast a little light into my room. I woke up to see a humanoid figure standing slightly hunched by the side of my bed, looking down at me rather curiously. I was not afraid in any way. In fact, I was very calm. I could tell it was wearing something dark, like a colored suit, very tight over the body. It was thin, I'd have to say, at standing about five foot seven. 
I had a lar- it had a large head and long arms. After looking at me for a bit, it reached over. It had these long fingers with larger finger pads, and it touched a finger to the side of my neck, and then boom, I was out. Ugh. I woke up the next morning thinking it was a very strange dream, and I told my mom about it. I then went to the bathroom, looked at my neck, and there was a large finger pad-shaped dark spot on my neck. Oh my God. It stayed there most of the day before fading away. I was freaked the fuck out. And yes, I did show my family the mark just so they knew I wasn't totally crazy. The next night, I kept waking up in a panic, rapid heartbeat, sweating, even crying all night long. The only thing I can think is that whatever happened to me, they wiped my memory of it. My subconscious, though, remembered something. It's been four years, and I'm still expecting to wake up and see it again. I would try hypnosis, but I'm afraid of what I could possibly remember. Sorry for the long email. You and your team are awesome. Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah. yeah I'm so extra curious about the uh, UFO, you know, alien stuff. Yeah, I know that that one. That stuff scares you more than me. It just, it just oh. weirds me out. It could happen. You don't know if it's not happening. Men in black. Could. Dude. What if what if there's some like awesome kind of aliens that abduct you? What if they're like uh there's no stories of that. Well, there's blowjob aliens. That's all they do. That's if, all they want to do is if that was a thing, I give mm-hmm. you a free unlimited hall pass. Sweet. Come on, aliens. <laughs> Alien BJs. <laughs> Alien BJs. It's probably yeah. very sloppy. For some reason I think of of aliens as being like like wet and gross uh, and jelly and mm. Never mind. Never mind, aliens. No, thank you. <laughs> no want a sloppy alien blowjob? No, no. But uh, yeah, that is, I mean, that's so many stories. That's, you know, like I've said, like early, early uh, in the early episodes, it just takes one. Yeah. If any one of these, you know, experiences is legit. Oh my God. Then it opens up the door to all this stuff. What if we're just living in an alien experiment? What if all of us on this planet have been abducted and brought here, given backstories? Yeah. And we don't even know. We don't even know. There's so many weird possibilities. When I was, I forgot, to, I forgot to tell you. When I was in Columbus, Ohio, this, this past weekend, uh, doing morning radio for some, you know, stand-up comedy shows there, uh, I was talking off air. The yeah. guy he didn't want to talk about it on air with one of the DJs there. This kind of classic rock station. It's been there for a while. Uh, but he he was just saying how the house he moved in. He was always very skeptical. Sure. Very, very skeptical. Moved in this house and just weird shit. Dog growling at things he couldn't see. Oh, yeah. Electrical things coming on and off. And he's, you know, getting freaked out. And then suddenly somebody shows up at the doors. And it was a former person who had lived there. Yeah. To just, tell him? Just asked him, like, hey, uh, has anything, you know, strange been going on for you too? And then they shared stories. It was the exact same stuff. Get out. And that he, just, does he own the house? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. They bought the house, freaked him out. And then there was more stuff that I just can't remember. But it was, but it was enough details. I was super tired. I was like running on very low sleep. And I, but I just remember being like, oh my God. I mean, there's no, it was it was a very detailed story. With right. lots of witnesses supposedly. And it's like, well, why would all those people make that up? How would all those people well, see and, the same stuff? And a firsthand encounter like that is different yeah. than like reading a story online. You yeah. know, that's how I feel about the stories we get from the fans is that it's like, yeah. you're, I know you're real people. Right. I think. Oh my God. Are you aliens? Maybe Sally sent all these emails. Fucking. Ghosts. When you were telling that story, I could like yeah. hear like, right, Sally, right. <laughs> like so much. I have one more for you. Oh, okay. I think this is, this is a good, not update, but an actual story. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll get out of here soon. So this last story I decided to tell to you because it, like, I could picture Riggins. Because this happens in a very small town. Yeah. And it seemed like something that could happen there. Okay. Okay. 
Greetings, your highness of the suck and scared. I have a story for you to this day that creeps me out. Back in 2013, around this same time of year, my friend, her boyfriend, and I decided that we wanted to go check out some local supposedly haunted spots in southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. We ended up driving all the way out of town to this small town, population about 300, where she grew up and she knew all the old legends. Yeah. We started heading down some back roads out of that town and drove by a graveyard, some old houses, and finally out into the woods and farm fields. At this point, it's about 11 p.m., pitch black. No moon, no clouds rolling in, and the creep factor was high. As we were going down this stretch of road, we came around a corner and see a huge bonfire. The flames had to be at least 15 feet high. Silhouetted against the flame were about five to seven figures in what I swear looked to be dark robes standing around the fire. We came to a stop because this isn't something you see normally in that area. After what felt like forever, but was probably only 15 seconds or so, My friend said something along the lines of, we need to get the fuck out of here. At that same time, I could see the figures looking towards us and feeling, nope, come over me. I wasn't in a good spot to turn around, so I just floored it and we sped past, tire screeching. We could see them watching us drive away. When we got to the end of the road, we could either turn left and get further away from the fire or take a right and make a loop back to check again. I'm stubborn. Lindsay will say I'm stupid, but oh well, I lived a little that night. (laughs) And I I was convinced that it was just us overreacting and us wanting to see something creepy. Yeah. So I drove us back to where the group of robed people were standing around the giant bonfire. When we got around the corner, maybe five minutes had passed, if that. They were gone. The fire was out. No one was around. I couldn't see any headlights in the distance. No sign of life. I drove closer to the spot where they were, and we looked out the window to see if we could see anything else. My friend was freaking out and refused to let anyone out of the car. I pulled out my flashlight from my glove compartment and shone it around the clearing. Not one single trace of the fire. At first, we thought maybe I took a wrong turn, but nope. It was right in the same place. I could see my old tire tracks. Needless to say, we haven't gone back, and I sure as hell don't plan on it. There are a lot of rumors in that area about some dark and evil paranormal shit, but I had never believed it until I saw it myself. I hope you enjoyed the story. It isn't as scary as the ones that you tell, but scary enough to keep me out of that part of the country. That's scary. I think that's fucking terrifying. What a weird twist that it was just all gone and no sign of a fire. Right. And 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 then more than one person saw that. That's my thing. I'm like, it's not like you were by yourself and you were just like really... You know, you're driving late at night and you're scared and you're tired and all the things and your imagination gets the best of you. You're listening to some terribly creepy podcast. (laughs) Right. But it's like three people and like all sober. You know, I mean, like, no, like, oh, we were out partying. Right. What the fuck was that? I cannot even begin to process what that's. I have no idea how to. I was thinking that would freak me out so bad if 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 I was by myself Uh and that happened. It would still it would scare the shit out of me, but I would rationalize it as I just made something right. up in my head. Right, I, I imagine that if another person and and it wasn't like they were just jumping off of what I said. If we were both adding details, right, you know, that the, like oh my god, me too. No, that's what I saw, and, and then you tell something. Oh no, that's exactly right. Yeah, that would stay with me forever. Yeah, I was thinking <sighs> about so you know I was thinking about Riggins. Right. And like, you know how we like come down the hill and we like go to grandma and grandpa's, but then like that far side of town as you're like, as, as you like pass through Riggins and you're heading towards McCall. Yeah. Is that like 
what is that part? Oh, usually the sawmill was where you can go like up the salmon that yeah, way, the old just, salmon river road. Yeah, and it like mm-hmm. starts to like open up, and it's just there's not a lot of houses. It, right. it's, it's like less populated. I'm like, oh yeah, if you just drove a little bit out of town, I can start to picture like. That is where yeah. someone would have a bonfire, right? That's like where kids would hang out and drink, or yeah. right? Like it seems yeah. logical, but then for it to just not for it to not be, be there, there, no embers, no like five minutes. Even if they put the fire out, like those people were on oh, their way out. Yeah, there's there's gonna be signs of that. You're not gonna have a huge fucking bonfire and then just have nothing. Yikes! If it's not paranormal, ah, yeah. So there, so there we go. You know what? When we were saying, um. I just remembered yeah. the dog barking stuff. I told you. Oh, Gin- ginger. ginger. Gigi. Gigi. So we have two dogs. Gigi Pen- Bell. Penny and Ginger. And Ginger Bell is... She's special. Uh, she's <laughs> she interesting. Is. She's a character. She is. She's afraid of everything. Like an empty box, a grocery bag. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to like make her take a picture last night with this plate that um, one of my really great friends gave me that's a painted picture of her. Yeah. And she's afraid of the fucking plate. Like, yeah. But then she can be so brave and other things. She's like the first to charge after the deer. <laughs> She's the first to play aggressively, but then if you just like shake a stick it note, she will cower in a corner. So she's a weird dog. Dan was out of town last week. It was actually Halloween, which just made it worse. Mm-hmm. The kids were at their mom's. It was her turn to have them for Halloween. So I had one night by myself and I'm in the house and we're having some work done at our house and I had had to empty out our closet. And so there's like piles of clothes on the floor. So I'm sleeping on my side or yeah. lying on my side trying to go to sleep in the dark ginger's in front of me because she likes to snuggle like a human mm-hmm. and then she goes Rrr, and she just starts barking there's there's nothing she's not looking out the window right there's like there's i'm not watching a tv show in bed nothing is happening i mean i have justified it to myself that she was saw the shadowy outline of the piles of clothes on the floor oh yeah yeah, yeah. but she did it twice in the same night and like I mean, is there something in our room? If it's just Gigi, I'm going to say no. <laughs> G- to be fair, which Ginger also will stare and growl at her reflection in the mirror <laughs> for long periods of time. Right. So, but, but, there, but, but, not, but I get, I but, get that but being she spooked. wasn't looking in a mirror. Right. But I'm right. just saying her, if it was Penny and her both always looking the same, then I would get more worried. Yeah. I trust Penny way more than Ginger. She is more reliable. I yeah. thought this week's stories were going to have mirrors involved. I thought you told uh, me that you were. Oh, I was. Yeah, I, I didn't tell one this week. Yeah, I, I've been. I have some in the bank. So I, I want to tell you yeah. that if we're going to do a mirror story, when right. we leave the house that day, uh-huh. I want all of the mirrors covered. I don't want to come home and look uh, in any like in our bedroom. Okay. That's a lot of work. Well, just in our bedroom. Okay, okay, you don't have to do the bedroom one and the one by the front door. Yeah. Obviously, we can leave the bathroom one alone, but then you have to pull back the curtain in the shower so that I like. Ah, gotcha. Yep. I got all the angles and I can see okay. what's coming. All Deal. Right. Deal. Can you reach me? <laughs> deal, deal, <laughs> deal. Okay, well, uh, let's it, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap. That it was up. fun. Yeah. That was fun, spooky and fun. Thanks to uh, you know all of those who who listen, who watch on YouTube. I know there's a lot of couples been watching. I hear about that on the road. I see the cutest things like pictures of people with their little feet entwined yep. as they're yep. watching the TV. Love, love it, love it. it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And then keep sending your emails in to uh, yes. my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com if you have any personal scary paranormal tales yes. updates like we know heard today. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also send you know any other emails to info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And and that's yeah that's it for today. Thanks yes. for listening to uh, or watching uh, or Scared both. to Death or both yeah. a Bad Magic production. Thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team, Harmony Bellacamp on social media, Joe Paisley producing and directing, Zach Flannery part of our team as well. Yep. Thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. Thanks to 
Heather Rylander for taking over the My Story at ScaredToDeathPodcast.com oh, email. So thank you. Lindsay doesn't have nightmares all the time. <sighs> so helpful. <laughs> and and yeah, thanks for just being cool creeps and peepers. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scared to Death Podcast. Subscribe everywhere you listen, including on YouTube at Bad Magic Productions. Watch the show. Enjoy your nightmares. Get scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.